0: Welcome back to Sextras, where we talk about sex and all the extras.
1: I'm Honey, and I eat all my food separately. <laughs> Firstly, I eat everything, like my least favorite thing first, and then my favorite thing last, but I also eat everything separately because I just don't <laughs> like my food like touching or anything like that.
0: <laughs> wow,
1: I'm so happy Get that unpacked. I know that now. <laughs>
0: quality information (laughs) (laughs) okay well thanks hun hi guys i'm maria and my fun fact is equally as interesting in that (laughs) i've never broken a bone or anything i've never really had any any incidents like that i sliced my finger when in the first day of uni literally like when i just trying to cut a bagel but that's that's about it that's the worst thing i've done to my body
1: depends how you look at it (laughs) (laughs) nice i've also never broken a bone so
0: we're twins oh wow (laughs) look at us strong women over here
1: Except I do have about like every other illness on the planet, so I don't think (laughs) that's qualify as that strong. (laughs) You literally have an autoimmune
0: disease, so like
1: clearly. (laughs) Also I'm still like the only one out of all our friends that's had COVID, so okay (laughs) well we have a very exciting guest with us today her name is Morgan Doman she is a life and clarity coach and we're going to talk about boundaries people pleasing all of that exciting stuff so please welcome Morgan
2: hey ladies thank you for having me I know I'm supposed to tell you my fun fact. Weirdly, I've never broke, I, I sprained a thumb, but I never broke a bone either. Oh. I guess my fun fact is that I speak Italian.
0: Ooh. Oh, that's cool. I wouldn't have expected that.
2: Nice. I kind of grew up in Italy a little bit, and it's like weird, and <laughs> it was a great time. Yeah.
1: Do you get to use your Italian at the moment, or do you have to wait till you can go back?
2: no I haven't used it in about a year now so yeah it's weird though sometimes I'm like walking down the street and I hear Italian and I'm like I know what they're saying <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I do. love
1: that I love when you can understand what people are saying and they don't know that you know <laughs> yeah it's definitely
2: a fun trick and you know people will be shocked when I'm like you know hi, yeah yeah
1: okay well thank you so much for joining us we're very excited and to start the episode off we asked our listeners some questions that hopefully you can help us out with so we asked people what are some boundaries you've set want to set or probably should set and that could be with your significant other or your family or friends so maria do you want to start us off with the first submission
0: okay so someone said i don't like touch please stop hugging groping or petting me out of the blue without warning
2: yeah this is a really important one um my it's a it's a little bit different if this is like a significant other in a way and if it's not Mm -hmm. if it's just like a friend or a family member and they're touching you without your consent um you need to tell them to back off <laughs> <laughs> I mean obviously you can sit down and say like for me right now like the being touched in this way or being groped in this way makes me really uncomfortable please stop doing it obviously you have to set that boundary if it's with a significant other it's a little bit like a little bit more complicated because i'm assuming you do have um relations with them and you want them to touch you sometimes, like that's not always not what you want. Um, hmm. So I, I would say to like, really have a conversation about how it makes you feel and it has nothing to do with them. Because it's usually my guess is this person is dealing with some trauma. So you know, to explain that, like, that's where it's coming from. It's not about you. It's just sometimes I really don't want to be touched. So first of all, if you touch me and I don't like it, I'm going to tell you and ask you to (laughs) not take it personally because it's not about you. Like that's the biggest issue. Mm. A lot of people in relationships, like if someone's like, hey, can you not touch me right now? Their first question is, what did I do? (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) it's it's not always about you, especially when um, someone is trying to heal some trauma. And usually like turning it on yourself is actually like, the worst thing you can do, so yeah, I think you really need to have like a very open conversation about it and really stress to them that it's not about them. it's about you know just the moment or maybe you just don't feel comfortable in certain situations being touched. yeah, and honestly, like I think something that like all people should know, um, but especially men is like when you ask for consent, it's actually really sexy. Um, Like there's nothing sexier than a man saying, can I kiss you? And so I really, I really encourage everyone to start getting into the habit of this. And I will just say like there is, I, when I read this, I had to check my own bias because I assumed a woman wrote this. But it's very possible a guy wrote this because there is like this it's so interesting. There's like, there can be a double standard. Like I've literally seen girl, uh, like women in college, especially like touch women, uh, touch men or hold them without asking consent either. So I'm just going to say like, this is for everybody. (laughs) Ask for consent, (laughs) especially when it's like, you know, a friendship or anything like that. Like you should never touch anyone without their consent. And, And remember that consent is an enthusiastic yes, not an absence of a no. Like, so you need to hear the word. And especially if it's someone you don't know very well, it's even more
0: important.
1: Mm. Yeah, for sure. I've had this problem too with, if you suffer from things like anxiety, that kind of thing, maybe sometimes you're just super not in the mood to be touched and you need your space and you feel like someone's invading your space, even if it's your significant other. And yeah, it's so easy for someone to take it personally, but... You have to like communicate those things so that it's not a miscommunication and it's not like, obviously you're never trying to offend them by saying, I don't want to, I don't want you to touch me. That's not the point. It's just being aware of what state of mind other people are in.
0: Mm.
2: And also when we're talking about boundaries, when we set them, the other person tends to take them personally and this is the way we're all raised. So until like we're we <laughs> un- uncondition ourselves, you know, we do need to really say it's not you, it's me. And and un- on the other side, yeah. like be really honest when it is the other person, you know, sometimes it can be a little yeah. bit of a trap. Mm. Um, Like, oh, I, don't touch me. It's not about you. It, and it actually is <laughs> like you're angry with that person. So if <laughs> you are, make sure you say, you know, how you feel.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like, lying and saying oh it's not you that's just creating so many more problems with setting boundaries in future because then they'll just be like i are you is this a trick you know (laughs) (laughs) the next one is to not let him keep doing something that hurts me over and over again
2: yeah uh my first my first question to the Ask her on this is like, why are you with someone who's hurting you over and over again? Mm. I mean, from the way I read this, I I really just want to encourage the person to say, like, get out of this relationship. I mean, if someone's really hurting you over and over again, after you've set a boundary, then, you know, you need to ask yourself if, if this relationship is really serving you. And I'm not saying that's an easy answer. I know, like, when there's love and And, you know, he's very attractive. It's very hard (laughs) um, to, to, um, (laughs) like, you know, break it up. But if someone's hurting you over and over again after you have stated it, then, yeah, I think it's the end of a relationship. On the other side, I would ask yourself, are you stating it, like, clearly? Um, Sometimes when we set boundaries, we think we're stating it clearly and we're really not. We're trying to, like, spare the other person's feelings but like in doing so, what we're asking for becomes very convoluted. Mm. That's like the people pleasers in us. So I would say like, are you stating it clearly? And one of the easiest ways is just to like, try it out on a friend and say like, do you understand this? (laughs) (laughs) And if they're like, yeah, like that's a, you know, that's clear to me, then I think your answer is like, you need to be out of this person's life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When you have that person that is hurting you over and over again as in like when you're just letting them hurt you and they're hurting you because you've shown them that you're just letting them so I think it's like sort of advice on how to just tell yourself like no you need to draw the line here like you can't (laughs) let like you have to show them that they can't hurt you they can't keep hurting you
2: absolutely and that's when you need to start working on your self-worth you know, self worth is like actually at the bottom of people pleasing and boundary setting and all of this, like, you need to ask yourself, like, how much do I love myself? How much am I worth? How much do I deserve? And then you need to state what you need from that person from that place. Um, You know, kind Mm -hmm. of (laughs) for a very like, um, cheesy way of saying it, but you need to do it in your power. um, And not in a way that's giving them all the power. So yeah, I, I absolutely feel that. It's it's definitely about raising your worth and knowing how valuable you are to yourself and to everybody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: This can be especially hard if it's a family yeah. member because like they're not always easy to get out of your life. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's it's much more complicated. So in those cases, you know, I would say get them out of your environment or out of your Energy field <laughs> as much as you can. Um, you know, try and disconnect from caring about what they think. And that can really just be like, you know, some people like visualize like a cord being cut, like we no longer have a connection, and I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that image. <laughs> the next one is not allowed to insult my friends or siblings. So I'm assuming, as in, their part like a boundary with their partner is that they're not allowed to insult their friends or sibling
2: yeah yeah this is this is a good one i would check the environment in general um around insulting people if there's a lot of gossip going on that's all stuff that you need to have a conversation with in general Mm. for this person i think it's really important that you state really clearly that certain things that are being said make you feel uncomfortable And like you're betraying your sibling or your you know, a family member or whatever when you're having these conversations. So that would be like my, you know, it's, I'll say it about a billion times during this, you know, whole recording, but like, it's, it's about stating clearly about how that person makes you feel when they're doing something. That's why like eye language is very helpful. So it's like, you know, I'm going to just give an example, but it's like, I feel like I'm betraying my brother when we have these types of conversations. So I needed to stop. Mm-hmm. That person can't really like debate with you how you feel. <laughs> so it's a nice place to start that conversation.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I really struggle with using I language cuz I feel like it's ha- it has to be so not removed from your emotions, but you really have to not act in a super emotional and reactive way Mm. which is definitely something that i want to work on but it's so interesting to reframe it like that because yeah as you say they can't argue with you about how you feel if you frame it like that they just have to be like okay they have no other choice and
2: depending on like what you want in a relationship too a significant other this could be a major red flag you know someone who's willing to throw your sibling under a bus even just verbally Mm. could be a red flag so i would encourage that person to be like is this person really have the integrity of someone that i want to be with yeah yeah
0: it's always really awkward when like like obviously you're allowed to i insult my siblings all the time and like say mean stuff about them all the time and like my parents but (laughs) if other people start saying the same things it's kind of like okay but that's a bit weird (laughs) like they're my family so obviously I can say it not you (laughs) uh (laughs) so yeah okay
1: (laughs) well the next one is not letting their happiness come at the expense of yours
0: oh yeah big time I struggle with this bad boy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the
2: classic putting others needs above your own. It's a the only time in human existence where it should really happen is if you're a parent, but except for that situation, I really I really like to just say like this is a core issue with people pleasers, but also just with like codependency issues in general. Essentially what happens is the dynamic there for most people is i am so worried i uh, subconsciously i don't want to lose your love so i am going to put your needs above my own because your love is so important if i lose your love i'll be alone i'll be sad etc cetera, etc cetera. and so um that tends to be at the core of it it's actually the fear of losing love that you know continues this cycle. Mm. You know, it's it's a really hard one to break. And even as someone who's been a recovering people pleaser for two and a half years, it's <laughs> still really hard sometimes because I want, you know, we all it's a human need to be loved. So really the first step is just becoming aware. Like just start to become aware of when you are doing it. And say to yourself, is this really necessary? Mm-hmm. Like do I really need to do this? And in the beginning it's okay to cancel (laughs) like this is a big one like if you agree (laughs) to do something and you're like you know what I'm really putting that person's need above my own call back text back and just be like I'm sorry I I was wrong I can't do it and that's it don't let your schedule be at the mercy of others
1: Mm. Yeah, I think that's so important and I think time is the biggest issue we've talked about it before kind of how if you're so if someone's so present in your life and you're always seeing them if you live with them or even if you don't live with them and you see them every day it's so easy to kind of let your lives be so intertwined that you can't even recognize that you're putting their needs over yours because you can't even separate the two really but it's being able to take that step back and yeah even just cancel one plan and be like okay well we can't do this today because I just really need some time to like think or just be by myself and then that will give you the perspective that you need
2: absolutely yeah like it's it's so important to to honor your needs like when we don't we easily start to self-sabotage and going go into coping mechanisms that are hurtful and harmful so absolutely like that's such a good point like getting and I think in a way, this is, like, one of the sides of COVID that I think has been an interesting lesson for all of us. Like, we we actually don't have to go. <laughs> we yeah. don't have to show up. In fact, we have, like, a pretty good out. So that's interesting. I think a lot of people are setting that. They, they're they using COVID as an excuse. But at the same time, like, it's great for them to actually have some time alone and really get to, like, center themselves. Mm,
1: definitely. The next one is uh, I'm never gonna kiss someone I'm hooking up with.
2: <laughs> so I'm assuming the question is like I won't kiss someone I'm having sex with, correct? Yeah, mm. yeah. I think that if that's the case for you, um, and you don't want to kiss someone, I think you have to state that before you guys even initiate sex. To be this is this is going to be uncomfortable one because it's not in the norm and for some people like it may be really hard to get into sex without foreplay or kissing that also occurred to me that it may be like really difficult but yeah if you don't like to kiss someone you just need to say it
0: yeah I actually think there's a lot of people that don't really kiss people that they're just having sex with like they only kiss people that they're more like it's a more intimate as in like not not that they don't ever kiss anyone that they have sex with, but I think it's more like a relationship thing.
2: I, I, I mean, personally, for me, like, I could, I just, I would not be turned on enough, but I think it's just a, a conversation. <laughs> I'd be like, what's happening?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it's because guys really think that girls are super super into kissing because i've met a lot of guys that think that girls are really into kissing which obviously a lot of like everyone likes kissing but people think if you kiss them they're gonna get super attached i feel like that's the really
0: i don't think so my friend who is a guy he doesn't really get with people that he fucks he just yeah, he thinks it's more for, like, his, like, a girlfriend kind of thing. And he just, he just thinks that, that it's, like, too intimate. And our other friend also thinks that. He's also a guy. He doesn't get with people that he just casually sleeps with because it's too intimate. I don't think it's because it's, like, he, they think that girls think it's too intimate. I think that they themselves also think that, which I kind of get.
2: So, yeah. so, for them, they can stay emotionally distant with sex <clears throat> if they don't kiss a
0: one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that it's more that.
2: I'm like, my first thing, and this may be a little crude for me to say, but my first question is, <laughs> is really giving these girls an orgasm? Like, <laughs> I'm sure there are women who don't need to be kissed and don't need to be like, I don't know, like any foreplay. It. I mean, I guess it's possible, but yeah, it's, it's interesting that they're trying to stay emotionally disconnected by not kissing. It's very fascinating to me. You just need to be really clear about it, that that's mm. what you want in that moment. I'm just going to say on the other side, though, like, if a man said to me, I don't want to kiss, I just want to have sex, I would say this isn't, this isn't working for me. Mm. On both sides, like, if something sexually doesn't work for you or physically, you also have to say it on the other side, too.
0: Yeah, 100%. Okay, so, next one. Don't treat me as your
2: therapist. Oh, I love this one. Um, (laughs) I have this really bad, because I'm a coach, and, like, friends will be like... Um, let's talk to someone about all my problems. And I'm like, that'll be a lot of money now. Thank you. No, um, <laughs> I, um, honestly, I think the most important thing, like when a friend is talking to you and needs to talk through something, the best thing you can ask them is a very, really simple question of, do you need sympathy or solutions? Because a lot of times people just need to vent. And they just need to get it off their chest, and we're done. We're good. Okay, you're feeling great. That sucks. You know, you do the whole like that sucks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, you feel that way. But if they want solutions, you can be like, well, you know, how about you talk to that person, or how about you tell them X, Y, and Z? You know what I mean? So it's a really nice way to give them what they need. I will say something that really helped me as well is when I was in my coaching training. uh, One of the things we have to learn is like how to not get attached to the other person's needs like we we can't fix everybody's problems and so (laughs) just remind yourself you don't need to fix your friend's problems like their issues are their problems and so it's really important to remind yourself of that um if you ever start to feel like you're your friend's therapist like that's their problem (laughs) like you can't fix it so anyway that's definitely what I would I would say and if someone is like dumping a lot on you then just you know you need to tell them
0: Mm. yeah how can you do you have any sort of like tips on how to tell someone in a way that isn't like gonna make them feel even worse sort of thing
2: Mm -hmm. well first of all I just want to say like you can always set the boundary of like I'm sorry like I can't talk right now If you're not in a good headspace, or you don't want to really talk to someone like you should state that that's a boundary you have the right to set. Even if someone is in crisis, it's still not your responsibility if they're a full grown adult to help them. So if you if you're just not in a good headspace, you don't want it, you're just not right to be there for them at that moment, that's okay. And feel free to set that boundary. If you do want to be there for them, But I think you have to say, you know, sometimes when we're talking about X, Y, and Z, it feels a little bit like I have to fix your problems or I have to be your therapist. And I don't think that's what your intention is, but I just wanted to check in with you about what you need from me in that time. Like, what are you looking for? And Mm -hmm. that's when you can bring it back to sympathy or solutions. Because a lot of people who feel that way, like they're a therapist, Mm a lot of times they are trying to fix the other person and um you can't you know you're not their therapist so just be their friend just be there to support them
1: Mm. yeah I definitely agree and it kind of comes back to that whole putting their needs over yours again Mm -hmm. like just not being able to make that separation just because someone needs you doesn't mean you have to be there for them Okay, so the next one is don't compete for attention when I'm with my friends. If you can't coexist, then don't bother.
2: Yeah, what, were you, what was your interpretation of this question? I was a little bit like, hmm, I wonder what they're trying. I
0: feel like it's s- someone being like, okay, in my head, it's a guy. <laughs> and he's basically saying to, like about his girlfriend when I'm with my friends don't be like wanting my attention and like don't always be like wanting to be with me and like I'm not allowed to see my friends kind of thing like we can both that's kind of how I saw it
2: oh so it sounds like you got a stage five clinger (laughs) yeah okay all right so yeah if if you're if you have someone who's clinging a lot Especially a woman, but if you have someone who's very clingy, there's two things that could... Well, there's a lot of things that could be going on, but the two main things are they have codependency issues. So they're codependent on you to feel good, and so they're, like, over-clinging to you to try and get that kind of gratification. If you feel like it could be that, then ask them, like, what needs can I meet? You know, how can I be there for you so that you don't feel this need to, like, be with me all the time like I want to have space apart and still feel safe in this relationship and if that's a need for you like that could be a need I need time alone or I need time just with my friends away from this relationship I know I'm that way like I'm a huge introvert so I I need a lot of time alone and I also you know I like to be with certain friends without a boyfriend there just because it's you know it's I don't know girl time or it's nice to connect with people one-on-one So it's important that you say to them, you know, what do you need from me? Like what can I do to make you feel more secure? Cuz it could be something really simple. Like she could just be like, "Well, when you're with your friends, you never acknowledge me at all and it hurts my feelings and so then I cling on harder." You know what I mean? Like it could be a lot of things. So ask her, "What why is this the dynamic? Like what can I do to make you feel more secure?" Cuz mm-hmm. if someone is is clingy like hardcore clingy it means they have a an anxious attachment style and they're anxious that you're going to leave them so you need to like come up with solutions to help them feel more secure in the relationship now (laughs) that's also on the other person's responsibility to feel more secure like if there's nothing you're doing you know, it, it could be a maturity issue, like maybe she's just not ready. If that's the case, then I would say like you have to decide if it's something you can deal with or not. But yeah, I think, you know, having a conversation with how can I meet your needs and then stating that, be really clear about why you need time with your friends too. I mean, if you state things clearly and just say, you know, I need time with my friends for X, Y, and Z, it has nothing to do with you, maybe it'll also make her feel more secure. So those are all different ways that you can deal with it. If you are the clinger, (laughs) um, if you're like clinging on really hardcore, I would highly recommend you look at some of your like attachment, Mm -hmm. your attachment style. How are you attaching to someone else? Um, Are you anxious they're going to leave you? All these things actually can really sabotage a relationship. So yeah.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, when I saw this, I was kind of like, Obviously I I completely agree with everything you say like attachment style especially anxious attachment style can definitely impact that but I was also thinking like (laughs) this is kind of a generalisation. Some guys are just really clueless and I can so imagine you're like hanging out with him and his friends and as you said he just doesn't acknowledge your presence at all and that's making them feel more invisible and so they're trying like desperately to cling on to something so yeah kind of trying to find something that makes them feel comfortable in that situation especially because it can be so scary meeting someone's friends mm-hmm. or you're going into a situation where you don't know the other people and then you're even more uncomfortable because of that plus you're like boyfriend or girlfriend who you actually know isn't giving you that validation that oh it's okay this is a safe place for you and like you're accepted I think that can be kind of like very very difficult
2: no this is a really really important point actually um yeah like the person who's who's like asking this question, essentially, you need to check yourself. I mean, <laughs> I agree with you completely, especially in a dynamic of like one girl with a lot of men. It's very common. She shut down. I mean, I've been in that situation. Most women at some point have been in that situation. And like, often you're just your opinions are ignored, you know, and the guys don't even realize they're doing it. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mm. agree with you. Like, check yourself, make sure you're you're actually being kind in the
1: situation yeah and regardless of of like significant other as well i think if you're ever taking anyone into a situation where they're the new person you should just try to make them feel comfortable
0: and included (laughs) yeah a hundred percent okay should we move on to the last question honey do you want to read it
1: When I start getting really anxious and need space I'll just get up and leave. First time it happened it led to a bit of an argument but once I explained it she now respects that I need to just be alone to break out of it.
2: Yeah I mean I think this is beautiful. (laughs) I think this is like I was like oh this person answered their own question. Yeah I mean it's all about (laughs) communication and explaining that sometimes you need to have you know time apart. I I am an introvert, so this is, like, my life all the time. (laughs) Having to set this boundary with friends, with partners, for sure. So, you know, if that's who you are, just get really good at it. And, you know, if you're in love with an introvert, like, it's just something you're going to have to, like, deal with. (laughs) Yeah, for sure.
1: I have the same problem. I have had to explain this countless times. And, you know, often people take it really personally but I'm like I just need time to recharge and the same with the first one about touch I'm like if it's my alone time I just want to be me like (laughs) I need two meters space (laughs) you go (laughs) all the way to the other side
2: yeah like sometimes I I think to myself I'm like I've seen some couples that are very conscious do this and I'm like, I want this. It's like have separate bedrooms. <laughs> I'm like, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I don't know why we as humans stop doing this, but I was like, I um, want to do this again. <laughs> like
1: yeah. I have my
2: own room. Like
1: <laughs> even just a separate house. Like, I'm so down to yeah. us apart if we're married. I I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I and, and like just to like kind of say having a relationship like make it your own it you don't have to play by other people's rules and if Mm. you need something Mm -hmm. say it and and work on it with your significant other and do the same for them
1: yeah yeah my neighbor recently got engaged he's he must be in his 60s but he we asked him if he's gonna move house to live with his Uh, fiance and he was like surely you know the key to a successful marriage is having separate houses (laughs) (laughs) and my mum was like yeah I'm beginning to realize that (laughs) (laughs) and I just so agree like if I ever I mean not that I want to get married but if I do end up with someone then that's my that's my plan just either live in like a castle which obviously is the dream and just have separate <laughs> wings of the house <laughs> or you just live I apart and then when you're in I the mood, you see each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay well thank you for answering our guests queries and helping them set some boundaries So Morgan, can you tell us a little bit about how you became a life coach? Why you became a life coach? Like what what inspired you to pursue this career?
2: Well, it was a very interesting kind of events that happened. I was actually the managing director of a nonprofit, a very powerful position all about finances and business and strategy. And I I loved what I did. But I could feel that there was, it wasn't really like aligning with my true personality. Like I was almost like one person at work and then like another person at home. And I didn't really like that. And so I was talking to some people and a mentor of mine actually did my numerology and he said that there's a healer in me and that healer is like dying. Like she, she needs to like come alive and um, she's like what you're supposed to be doing. And I was like, healer, like, I don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not going back to school for a million years. So I, I was like, well, I love to talk. I, I, I love to have conversations with people. I love deep conversations. And so I was like, what about Coaching. And so I became, I went into coaching. I started, I got certified and I realized that I love doing this and I love helping people through just simply talking, through conversation, dig deep into who they are, what they want, and help them really rise into the person they want to be, you know? And like, kind of for me, we all, our lives are like masterpieces, you know, they're they're pieces of art. And you, you can tell people who have really like, lived their life. We all know people in our life who like, mm. just have incredible lives. And I love helping people get there, you know, and helping people achieve that. And through that, it just, it, I get <laughs> to live my best life. Uh. And so... <laughs> Yeah I get to talk all day
1: which is like best case scenario for me. Yeah I (laughs) do. That's so nice. So we talked about people pleasing and your particular interest in that but do you think that's because that's something that you see very often amongst the people that you work with or what? draws you to that particular focus (laughs) yeah
2: actually I would I would say like the people I work with are all people pleasers (laughs) that's why they connect with me because I'm a recovering people pleaser and Mm -hmm. the reason I use that phrase is because I think so many people connect to it like we all know what it's like to put someone else's needs above our own and just Mm -hmm. some of us do it to a much larger extent and a much more draining extent. Mm. And so I just love to help people take back control. First of all, start meeting their own needs because most of the time people pleasers are not meeting their own needs at all. And they're like completely not, they're not doing self-care, they're not doing basic hygiene sometimes, they're just everybody else is more important than they are. So we, we first have to start with, How can you give yourself what you need? And then, of course, you know, and this is when boundaries come into play. How can you get how can you communicate to people in your life what you need from them? Um, And, you know, one of my favorite groups uh, of people that I work with is mothers, because moms tend to go into hyper people pleaser mode, and they never come out like their kids are like five and no longer need them every second, you know, and and they're, but they're still in that like overworking situation or mindset and
0: mm-hmm. they really
2: need help getting out of it. So it's, it's really, and, and also like a lot of people, pleasers tend to be overworkers. They tend to like work super long hours. They feel it's necessary to prove something or whatever. It's usually a coping skill or a coping mechanism, I should say. But yeah, it's, I just, I connect because I know what it's like, you know, to be exhausted, to be totally drained, to be burnt out. Not because I'm doing what I love, but because I'm putting everyone else's needs above my own. And, um, and that's how you burn out. You don't burn out doing what mm. you love. It's impossible. You, it won't happen. You can burn out very <laughs> easily giving your energy to things that don't serve you and to people or, or to over give your energy to people.
1: Yeah, that's so (laughs) relatable (laughs) to my life right
2: now.
1: (laughs) You said that you're a recovering people pleaser. (laughs) Was there a moment where you were like, okay, this is just enough now. I need to stop doing this. Like, I've had enough.
2: Yeah, so back in 2017, at the very end of the year, I started the nonprofit that I was the managing director for. And I loved that job. Don't get me wrong. It was an amazing, amazing job. And uh, so I'm so grateful for it. But about six months in, I had overworked myself to the extent that I was totally burnt out mentally and emotionally and physically. I felt so sick. Mm -hmm. I had put on a lot of weight, which I don't want to fat shame or anything like I'm not a thin person myself but like I was like eating in a way that was like super unhealthy and was just causing myself to be very sick and so I just like I realized it was like April 2018 I was like I I am going to have a full-blown breakdown if I don't do something (laughs) and it was in that moment that I like started to put really simple boundaries into my life like I was waking up at like 7 a.m. and starting to work. I was stopping work at like 8 p.m. I was like, that's it. You know, I do not start until nine o'clock. I am done at 5.30. I don't give a crap what anyone says. Like Mm -hmm. I literally like told everyone I worked with. I was like, I have to do this. (laughs) I started to, you know, simply move my body. Like I just went for walks. I started to implement other forms of self-care I got rid of a boyfriend, (laughs) Um, you know, like, you know, some of that stuff. I, I stopped, no, I didn't like, I wouldn't say I like threw people out of my life, but people who are like particularly draining, I kind of avoided. And I just started to like, take care of myself in a different way. Mm -hmm. And, and I honestly, I think every adult gets to this point, like, there's, at some point, usually in your 20s, at some point, you have a moment of like, oh, shit, like, I can't keep, treating my body like I'm 17 anymore, because I'm gonna get so sick. <laughs> um, you know, like, it's it's just like such a thing. But um, yeah, for me, like, that's when I started to really ask myself, like, what do I want in life? And then a few months later, I heard about coaching, and I started my certification. So, you know, it's, it, it was really about Putting, you know, it's always first about dealing with your own boundaries with yourself. Because people pleasers have an issue, Mm. like, just doing stuff for themselves, too. Like, you know, they will say yes to your needs so they don't have to go for their run. You know what I mean? (laughs) Um, So they get really good at, like, not doing stuff for themselves. So that's another thing, like, setting those boundaries first are actually the hardest ones to set, usually.
0: Mm -hmm. So do you think that? In terms of those, because you said, like, a lot of it is setting those personal boundaries. And I think, like, a lot of that rings with me. I think, like, a lot of my problems is just setting boundaries within myself rather than, like, with other people. But do you think part of the people pleaser mentality and kind of what you were describing, like, getting so burnt out is, like, a big problem in with saying no and, like, knowing how to say no? And, like, do you have any sort of, like, tips on how to go around the whole, that whole big, like, no word?
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Saying no, and this is especially for women, um, is, is so hard because we are literally taught that no is a bad word. Like, how many times do you see, like, a little kid being like, no, I don't want that. And someone goes, hey, don't talk like that. That's mm. rude. Like it it happens all the time. Kids are actually incredibly good at setting boundaries. Like don't touch me. Like you hear it all the time. But people are literally overriding their natural instincts because it's it's rude. Now, obviously we have to teach our kids how to speak to one another. <laughs> but we shouldn't be untraining them. Like kids naturally set boundaries. And they naturally we all are naturally born with like a great sixth sense. Like when you're a kid you know when you're in danger like it's it's literally like it comes over you in a way that's like you just you feel it you know if like for example like when you're a kid and and someone doesn't feel right you know it pretty quickly Mm. but we almost like untrained children to listen to their instincts and to set boundaries A, a classic one and this is one that I my mother never did is like going into a kid's room. If that's their space, that should be respected and no one should enter each other's rooms without consent. And and it is a really nice way to teach kids about physical consent and like what you can and cannot do. And so I I bring this up because we actually it, it's so difficult to to say no because we've had years of training to not say it. And that is why earlier I said you know, men, especially you need to listen for a yes versus an absence of a no, because we as women are so conditioned not to say no, that we are often terrified to say it. And we don't. And I know for me, like I, I know of situations, especially when I was in university where I had sex with a man, I didn't really want to do it, but I never said no. And I truly believe like these guys are good people. Like if mm-hmm. I had said no, they would have stopped. Right. Or, and, and it gets to a point where you start convincing mm-hmm. yourself you want to do it because you're so scared of saying no. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it is so hard. And so the first thing I say is like, just start saying no to little things, like super tiny yeah. things Just start conditioning yourself. Like a, a good place to start <laughs> is actually like food can be a good place. Like, no, I'm not going to eat that. Um, that's a good place to start. Cause it's like kind of simple or, uh, just scheduling stuff. Like, no, I don't want to hang out at that time. You know, like that can be a good place to start learning to say no more is so hard. And it's really just about practice and reminding yourself, like I can say no. And yeah. a- absolutely. It's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. Cause for me still, it's, it can be really hard. it can be really hard to say no. And yeah, it's just a practice of like coming back to what do I deserve? What do I need? And really stating it.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you said the thing about like sexual consent as well. Because as you were saying that I was just thinking that even if someone says, do you want to do this? And I say no. I feel like it's very much a thing amongst women that You say no the first time but if they continue to push it then I probably will end up Mm -hmm. saying yes because I don't want to have to keep saying no Mm -hmm. and that's also something that isn't recognised as a no. Me and Marie have talked about this before that you know it it can be your boyfriend and they're wanting to do something and obviously it's not their intention to pressure you into it but the more you get asked the question and the more you have Mm -hmm. to say no the more that pressure builds up in your mind. Like, oh, I have to keep saying no. Maybe I should just say yes. And I very much am guilty of just ending up saying yes, Mm -hmm. even though I originally said no.
2: Yeah, and honestly, I hear you completely. And I think that as well, we need to become more in our society, like listening more for the no. Like we need to be really respectful Mm -hmm. ourselves that if a friend says no, we really honor that. And then also, if you have to say no a second time, especially with sex or anything physical, you need to call that person out and be like, I already said no. Because in, in truth, yeah. they're probably just not being sensitive to the original no. Um, and honestly, like, <laughs> I really do think like for a lot of guys, they absolutely mean no harm, but they're just like not called out. i Mm. I mean seriously like sometimes i'm like call the guy out (laughs) because if he's a good guy he'll be like oh shit like i really need to like listen yeah yeah and guys like if you hear a no Mm -hmm. it's a no and it doesn't matter if she says like no (laughs) like all sexy that doesn't matter it's a no oh i hate that
1: so much (laughs) when guys because it's just such a dangerous thing that guys think that no means oh maybe or like keep trying especially when it comes to sex even because some girls say no in that way like all sexy because that that's their way of coping with it and that's their way of letting you down gently it's not like a, oh I'm like teasing mm-hmm. you keep trying kind of thing oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. it gets my blood boiling <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's it's definitely a place of like, you know, I think guys are I think, especially like in in the millennial and and lower generations, men are becoming more sensitive to the no and, and to the dynamics of power. But uh, at the same time, it's also really important to guys, that if you feel like your partner isn't in it, you also need to stop because there becomes this like really bad negative feeling. If you do have sex with someone who doesn't really want to have sex with you, like it it becomes a toxic situation regardless mm. of the words that were being spoken. So, you know, listen to your gut. If a girl isn't into it, stop. Like, Stop seriously, and I know you want to have yeah. sex. Like we all want to have sex, and this is the thing. Like girls, I <laughs> have sex too. <laughs> it's just like you know, stop. Just stop. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, can we talk a bit about attachment styles, even though we have talked briefly about it already? But do you think people pleasing is particularly linked to a certain attachment style?
2: Yeah. Usual. It's kind of interesting. It. It's classically, I think, the anxious attachment style, which is, like, the clinginess, like we were talking about earlier, but it can also get avoidant as well with passive-aggressive behavior. Like, a lot of people-pleasers, because they're always putting other needs above their own, they tend to become very passive-aggressive and manipulative. Like, they they become masters of it to get what they need. And so they can get really passive-aggressive. This is my issue. I'm not like a clingy person, Mm -hmm. but I will get passive aggressive and then eventually explode. That tends to be my cycle if I'm not super careful. And I do on my blog, I talk a little bit about anger and passive aggressive behavior because it's a huge sign of people pleasing and it's a great place to start in terms of recovery. But it's funny, it's actually kind of both, but it depends on the person and what they learned in their childhood. And how to cope. But I would ask yourself, are you clingy or are you like passive aggressive? Are you like avoidant to to dealing with the situation? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people who are in relationships, like your boyfriend will be like, Are you okay? And you say no, but and you're not okay. Right? Like you are lying. It's very important you understand you are lying. And so you need to be honest about your feelings. And if you're with someone who you don't feel comfortable being honest <laughs> yeah. with, then that's something you need to deal with.
1: Yeah, mm. that's interesting that you say both because, well, you said anxious first and Maria's anxious, and then you said avoidant
2: and I'm avoidant. So
1: <laughs> I was like, ah.
2: <laughs> yes, I, I don't know. Okay, this may be, like, I, it's interesting because I'm avoidant too, and I get it from like the English side of the family. <laughs> and some of my English UK clients are like, we're all masters of the like avoidant, passive, aggressive. It's behavior. so
1: true. So I wonder if, like, <laughs> it's so true
2: it's so it feels very british things
1: it is because we're we're it's so (laughs) ingrained like the whole stiff upper lip thing you don't you no one says Mm. what they actually mean and that's just like what everyone grows up with (laughs) and i don't necessarily know if that's where mine comes from i mean obviously it's partly childhood but it might have also been a relationship that i had a few years ago but I can't I just can't say what I need until you were saying like until the last minute like I will just get angry or get overwhelmed and then it all comes rushing out and I just I need I need to be able to be better at it and I need to <laughs> not people please because i think the reason is like oh i don't want to upset them by saying what i want or i don't want to offend them because i'm going to say it in the wrong way that kind of thing so it's like i'll just put it off until i need to say it (laughs) and then it will burst
2: yeah and that's that's also why like with relationships start with the yeah yeah start with the little things too like start with the things that don't hold as much weight you know just be like ask for something a little bit more to start to become aware and you know amp it up just a little bit so that you can learn to do it because it is hard it's really really hard that's why I have clients in the first place because like I am there as like support when they're going in for those tough conversations like You know, I literally will be texting a client and be like, you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's why people, you know, we need coaches and therapists because sometimes you have to work through this, you know, one-on-one. Yeah,
1: for sure. Mm -hmm. Maria, do you have any questions about your (laughs) attachment style?
0: (laughs) I guess my question would be, how do you hear someone telling you something like, oh, maybe we should set a boundary of let's not call every night. How do I hear that and not take it like, oh, you don't you don't want to talk to me and you hate me because <laughs> if you loved me in the way that I loved you, you would want to talk to me all the time because that's how I feel, you know? So I guess it's like how do, how to not take people setting yeah. boundaries personally. Do you have any advice on that?
2: Yes. I think that understanding why, like ask the question why, a lot of times when we hear something we automatically go into we are being rejected. Mm. And it's not really actually reality. And what what's happening is like you're so someone's telling you something and your mind is going into oh my god I'm being rejected. And the reason it's doing that is because it's learned that certain things mean rejection and it's trying to protect you. So it's kind of like getting getting in front of you, right? Like it's like, whoa, 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 you're getting rejected. Get out of this right now. Like get out <laughs> the relationship. Um when in truth, like the guy's just like, and can we just like take a break on Sundays? <laughs> <laughs> so so it's really important to understand that when you're feeling like take a moment when you're not talking to anybody and and feel that rejection or feel that feeling in your body mm-hmm. so you know what it is. And then the next time you feel it in a conversation, you can be like, wait a minute, this is just my mind trying to protect me. So what is this person really saying to me? Oh, okay. Then you can start dissecting it. Like this person saying they need a break here because of their X, Y, and Z. Mm. It's not about me. Right? And so you're almost like overriding your mind's protective ability. And it's not always easy, but a great place to start is really knowing what the feeling is. Becoming aware of when that part of your mind is turning on—that alone can actually get you pretty far in in not taking things personally. Because yeah, that that all it is is it's a protection mechanism, yeah. and it's a beautiful one too. Like it's something to be admired that our mind works like that. Um, and I'm sure at some point in your life it really was very protective and awesome. But yeah, just becoming aware and just saying like, okay, I got it, but you know, I'm going to listen to this person and really hear them. It's fascinating. People are having conversations, and they're not actually hearing each other. They're waiting for it to respond. So a good way to override this as well is to like, let's say someone is like, hey, I, um, I can't go out with you on Thursday, because like, I just need some time alone. You can say back to them, okay, so what I'm hearing is, you need some time alone, so we're not going to meet up on Thursday. And they're like, they can be like, yes, that is correct. You can be like, got it. Right? Like, you're actually making sure you're digesting what they just said correctly.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, another thing that I just thought of when you were talking about singling out that feeling and how that's like a big step of it, I like I think that I've kind of been doing that I feel like helps sometimes when to give an example it was exam season recently and my boyfriend was coming back to Bristol and we were going to see each other again and he was basically saying like yeah but I'm basically not going to be able to see you so don't like get upset with me when I can't see you when we're there blah 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 and I was like and i was just like okay okay whatever and then he's like so you're not going to get upset and i was like well i'm not i'm not going to say that i'm not going to get upset and like in moments that i am upset i'll be like yeah i'm really upset about this and it's like making me feel like shit because i want to see you or like because it makes me feel like you don't want to see me but i understand that that is not what you're trying to say with this it it is just because you're busy so i'm saying i am upset and i'm like annoyed at the situation but I'm not upset at you or whatever. Like, you know, distinguishing like, yeah, it's cool. I feel like shit and this makes me feel really sad. But distinguishing that I'm not really sad at him or like because he's rejecting me. It's, yeah. I'm just sad because the situation makes me sad, you know?
2: <laughs> this is This is also a really good point about masculine and feminine polarity energy. And I find this kind of thing very fascinating, but your boyfriend and like I don't know him guys so like my first thought though is that he's a fixer yeah
0: yeah yeah. in the sense that he's he's like you're not
2: not gonna get angry right (laughs) Like 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 he wants you to guarantee him that you are you are not upset about this and I love that I love that but he also like from from another point of view is like when you are in your mask like a lot of men were raised by women who are in their masculine and what that means is that they are strong powerful women right who are and every woman's strong and powerful but they are like over they're um aggressive i i hate to use i hate to use like the sex to talk about the 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 energy polarity because it like gets convoluted but my point is a lot of guys fear women who are emotional. Mm. What what men need to understand is that female, the female body first of all, like we get emotional and we let things out. And we should never apologize for it ever. Okay. And by the way, I'm not saying emotional means being aggressive or being a bitch or an asshole or whatever. (laughs) I'm just saying like, we're allowed to sob and people need to F off (laughs) that. So what I encourage a lot of guys to do is learn to hold space for it instead of uh, absorbing it or getting upset with it. So like, just like if you're, if, if someone in your life is like upset and crying, just sit Mm. with them and listen
0: you don't have to
2: fix it it's not your job to fix her upset (laughs) it's (laughs) it's your job just to sit there and hold it and I think that we can all relate to like that feeling of when a man is just sitting in presence with someone there's like this great video of a man doing it with his three-year-old daughter who's having a temper tantrum and he's just sitting he's like (laughs) It's just such a great, she's like flipping out and he's just like sitting there kind of like holding her and like making sure she doesn't hit her head on anything, but like he's not trying to fix it, you know, he's not trying to like calm her down, he's just letting her be and he's there to protect her. So mm-hmm. I really encourage men to start to think about this. Mm-hmm. I was going
1: to say it's interesting the way you are saying with men sitting there because I feel like I very much if someone's crying I will sit there and I don't particularly feel comfortable knowing how to comfort them or knowing what to say but I have felt that expectation in the past from men you need to fix me you need to help me through this when in my head I'm like is it not okay is it not enough that I'm just here and witnessing it and like supporting you through my presence you know so I don't know it's a difficult one to unpack but (laughs) yeah it was just interesting that you said that
2: it's a beautiful process getting to dissect these things so that's why I always really recommend like sitting down and Going back to that question of, like, do you need solutions or do you need empathy? Because sometimes, like, we really don't need yeah. solutions. In fact, usually we don't. <laughs> um, we we just want someone to comfort us. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay, well, kind of leading on from that, do you think... Because we talked about trauma with the uh, touching boundaries earlier. Do you think trauma can affect heart people pleasing and do you think it can affect people setting oh, boundaries oh yeah
2: oh yeah now I just want to say like I'm not a therapist so if someone is experiencing trauma like you need you should go to a therapist but one of the best analogies I ever heard is like trauma is like taking a bucket of paint and just throwing it against everything in your life because it just gets everywhere and it's so hard to figure out where the trauma is especially if you didn't necessarily have like a massively traumatic moment, it was more like little aggressive traumas throughout a period of time. Mm. Uh, But absolutely it can. A lot of people, like if we go back to what we were saying earlier about the fear of losing love, the fear of not being enough, these things usually come from a traumatic experience. Now it's important to understand like traumatic experience isn't always someone hurting us physically like any can from the surface of it it may have just looked like a normal interaction but for you it was super traumatizing like for me for example there was a moment like when I was doing some therapy a while ago there was a moment where I was going to kiss someone and this is when I was like young 13 and he pulled away now for me It was highly traumatizing because you know my brain was like, oh, he doesn't love me, he doesn't think I'm beautiful, and so boom, like I have this trauma. Now, of course, he had every right to pull away. (laughs) Like it was, you know, a very benign thirteen-year-old moment. But in 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 that moment for me, it was super traumatizing, and it's something I've been you know healing for so long, and um, so it's it's you know, we have to go back to those childhood moments. And we can do that in therapy. That's a great place to do it. And really start to understand and heal them. And also see how they color our life. Like it it is, it is just incredible sometimes. Like, I, you know, this feeling of being unlovable, it, it can make me feel subconscious, even when I like go into a bar, you know what I mean? Like, my mind is like, if, when I was thirteen, that guy didn't love me. Why would anyone in this bar love me, right? Now, mm. of course, that's bullshit. <laughs> but like, that's the reality that my mind is seeing. So it's it. Yes, absolutely is the answer, and that's why <laughs> that's why like a lot of people do therapy and coaching because together it's it's like a great combination to go back to those healing patterns.
0: Mm-mm.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of people doing two at the same time like both so that's that's good to know
2: yeah I mean if you want a massive up level in your life that's the way to go like therapy and coaching at the same time.
1: (laughs) that sounds ideal if I wasn't a student I would be doing that (laughs) okay well just to kind of like finish off the episode can we talk a bit about like the most common things you see people struggling to set boundaries with and like give us a few pointers as to how those could be not fixed but how you can work on them
2: yeah absolutely i would say the number one biggest thing is saying yes to something that you don't really want to do and then not going back and fixing it if you say yes to something and you you automatically feel like i don't want to do it it's really important that you honor that feeling and go back and cancel it or whatever, because it's showing your, you that you can indeed like set a boundary for yourself. So for Maria, like a lot of the things we've been talking about, I would definitely say like, go back and be like, no, you know what I mean? With yourself. Mm. It's really, really important. Or yes, with yourself, depending. Yeah. A lot of people pleasers have issues with others. They think they feel guilty like constantly about what they're not doing. And so what I really always recommend is that you understand clearly how that feeling of guilt shows up in your body so that when it comes, you can just breathe through it and let it go. Because the guilt is your responsibility to deal with. This is a really important point. The guilt is your responsibility. Now, if someone's like actively guilting you,
1: Hmm.
2: that's tell them to go f off um, <laughs> but like a, most of the time guilt shows up it actually has very little to do with the other person it's it's our responsibility to to work through it and breathe through it and in terms of places to start you know as a recovering people pleaser i always suggest you start with a rock solid morning or evening routine have something that's yours and no one comes between you and this routine. And it can be 10 minutes, it can be 20 minutes, whatever. But like, make it make a time every day where you meet with yourself and show up fully. And everybody in your life needs to know like, don't, don't call me don't talk to me. Like if you have roommates, tell them like, I'm gonna start doing an evening routine from nine to nine thirty. Like don't talk to me during that time. I will lock my door <laughs> or whatever. And let it be something, maybe it's a creative time for you. like you write or you draw, or maybe it's a health thing. you do yoga or um you know, for me, it's meditation and journaling. like whatever it is, you know, make it something that really serves you and just start there ten minutes a day, really like take back your time because the thing is, if you do it for 10 minutes, it'll start to get easier throughout your life.
0: Mm, Mm.
1: That's good advice. I, I have recently started doing like a morning routine, or trying to do it more. And I definitely feel like it helps, it kind of like sets a precedent for your whole day, even if you're Mm. with other people during the day, you're still able to like check in with yourself. Because you've had that like starting off point for the day.
2: Yeah, and especially with with what we're dealing with right now with COVID, you know, this is a global trauma <laughs> that we are all <laughs> dealing with right now and it's even more important to be showing up for yourself and really caring for yourself in that way. You know, self-care right mm. now is so important. It's the best thing you can do for the planet right now unless you're like one of the scientists creating the vaccine you you self-care must be is is all you can do for the planet right now
1: (laughs) i wish everyone did self-care because imagine what an amazing world we would live in if everyone took that time for themselves and loved themselves
2: (laughs) absolutely absolutely like uh
1: imagine imagine donald trump took like (laughs) an hour at the start of his day
2: imagine donald trump (laughs) taking care
1: of him or maybe he just took too much care of himself that's the problem
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I said it before but i'll I'll say it one more time you know setting boundaries people pleasing this is all side effects of low self-worth look at your self worth, you know, what do you really think of yourself? What do you really deserve? What do you really love about yourself? And especially for women, this is, this is an inside question and an outside question, like in in the sense that it's about what do you love about who you are, but also what do you love about your body? And you know, for me, I talk a lot on Instagram and on my blog about like, body image, because for me, like the self worth journey was a lot about dealing with my body image and body dysmorphia. And so I just want to encourage women, if you look in the mirror, and you don't love what you see. It's not about losing weight, or whatever. It's about changing, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And that is for you as well. So, you know, Start to really say, "What do I love about myself? What do I hate about myself, and how can I love that? You know how can I send it love? not try and change it, not try and fix it and that's in quotes <laughs> <laughs> um you know what can I just simply do to love myself and that's why self care is so great because once you start doing it you, it's a form of love it's a form of self love and so you want that to radiate through your whole life, and that includes your body and and
1: Everything about you—that's mm. mm. that's so good. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> I think body image is a huge part of it, and we didn't touch yeah. on it too much. But I know, especially for women, but for men as well, you—they can't even begin to think about self-care because you're so consumed with like what you're—you think you're meant to look like, or you have to fix this, and you're so focused on a specific thing and it's something everyone struggles with and it's never gonna be completely perfect but you have to put in like a small bit every day to get to the place you want to be
2: absolutely and that's it that's it is consistency is key so keep coming back to yourself
0: Mm. yeah okay well maria anything you want to add no not not really just want to say thank you so much for talking to us and like just having a conversation about all these things which i feel like it's just good for people to know like a a lot of the time i think we just need a reminder like there's nothing wrong with you everyone like struggles with this and where everyone's trying their best and all you can do is like talk about it and in talking about it maybe like that will help so thank you for yeah um, yeah just like teaching us some things giving us some tips and hopefully everyone has learned something and if not at least hopefully people relate or whatever uh but yeah thank you
2: (laughs) thank you so much for having me and you know if anyone is interested like come be with me on instagram it's under my name and that's where I talk a lot about this and I try and give a lot of motivation so I'll you know we'll keep going together as a tribe
1: yeah for sure and we'll link it in the episode description so people can find you easily and do you want us to put your blog as well
2: yeah that's on my website um morgandoman.com and I I usually do like a weekly blog to help people pleasers like you know get deeper all the time and that's I love to write so that's my creation my creativity every week so check it out
1: yeah definitely check it out guys sounds great thank you so much again for joining us and we hope yeah as maria said we hope you enjoyed you can find us on instagram at sextras podcast on facebook sextras podcast on our website sextraspodcast.com Or you can email us, sextraspodcast at gmail.com, all the usual places. (laughs) So we hope you enjoyed. Thank you so much for your support. Don't forget to subscribe and review. And we'll see you next week.
2: Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodetiyi, produced by Mabel Productions.